0: Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day.
1: This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Secrets. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally, To other people's money. And Queen. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Oh, yes. The team is back together and running at full strength the morning meeting on talk radio 930 wt80 i didn't know you were a monster energy kind of guy quite a monster it's a it's the it's just oh, a it's sparkling a version of fancy new packaging regular beverage that i uh usually have by the way uh, welcome to all you uh, Laura Ingram radio refugees out there who don't uh, have her to lean on anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're is, happy to have you. Here. We and most certainly it wasn't a necessarily a coordinated campaign to run her off because I think uh, uh, more ideas being shared is a good thing. But uh, now that we are the undisputed kings uh, of conservative talk in this hour, uh, <laughs> our reign will be a benevolent <laughs> one. And welcome to the morning. Meeting. We all need to come together. That's right. Uh, now, you, you say that, and just as the coming together talk uh, is starting to circulate, I have in my hand the inevitable, what? The inevitable Democrats likely to take on Trump in 2020 list. Oh, see, now I, I have this on, on, on my list of things, too, because it, it leans. Now, um, is your list all inclusive, or is it politician only? Uh, my list is one that I saw come out this morning before the show. It's not one that I personally put together. I saw sure. this list was being sort of floated around. Uh, there are some non-traditional picks on it okay. well, from I, what I've seen. I, I, I noticed over the weekend that Michael Moore, who, who correctly said that uh, Trump was was going to be elected, the Democrats didn't would you know didn't see it coming, even though he tried to warn them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has come out and given a direction for the Democrats moving forward. And I think it's based on the fact that... And, and we talked about this a little bit with Craig, although not deeply because there was so much to get into with Craig. Um, they don't have a deep bench. In fact, their bench is almost non-existent. So you've got a couple of names, but they're they're aged. And after that... There's, Bernie Sanders. There's, yeah, there's really not a whole lot that has been seasoned and uh, prepped for this. So Michael Moore is suggesting... What we had talked about doing along the idiocracy lines, and that's that Democrats get outside of politics and go and find somebody that America universally loves. And they, they said that that will make it easier because they think that a lot of Trump's appeal was that people were comfortable with him in a TV kind of way. It wasn't, it wasn't, not, some of his ideas resonated, but the fact that they were already comfortable with him meant that he already had a a lot of the fight done for himself right you felt like you knew him mm-hmm. or at least knew what his brand was mm-hmm. because of his his role on tv uh yeah it's interesting and i think the other thing that uh, that michael moore did that will challenge the democratic party the same way the republican party is facing this challenge is to redefine who they are he, he basically indicted them for getting away from the working woman the working man mm-hmm. and becoming a party of liberal elites and it'll be interesting to see if they sort of take up that clarion call that he said. Will sounded. they even accept that the fact? idea? I mean, they did not accept. When he tried to tell them, hey, hey, you've gone away from where you were uh, along those lines. You've moved away from the, the working people, and you're going to lose. And they were like, not paying attention to you. We got well, the, this. The the line of people who refused to believe in the possibility of a Hillary loss Would make the line at the DMV seem small Mm. and educated, you know, (laughs) comparatively. So that's that is what it is and many people are still breaking that down but i thought this list was interesting uh some of these are are obvious bernie sanders after his uh, after his run was cut short by backroom dealings uh during the dnc sure. primary uh one thing to note though in 2020 he'd be 79 he'd be on the cusp of 80 yeah th- and that's at that point here's and, and and this is where you run into problems like having a bend that doesn't work? The Democrats is traditionally, they've been thought of as the younger, more dynamic thinking party and group, and Bernie's not that. However, you also have the problem of the Democrats, uh, are, and many times just political parties are of this mind, somebody you know makes a good surge, they do. The, then they have, quote unquote, a turn. This was Hillary's turn. Actually, it was going to be her turn in 08, her turn. And then Obama showed up and crashed that. Now it was going to be her turn this time. Is it Bernie's, quote-unquote, turn in four to eight years? So the charge you just made is that the Obama administration is anti-female because he stole her turn. <laughs> well, in 2008, I don't know that anybody was making that case, but you can cheekily make it mm-hmm. as as you just did now. It, if it is, quote-unquote, the rise of the women's turn, Elizabeth Warren on that list of Elizabeth probable twenty twenty. Uh, Democratic candidates, everybody knows uh, her role at this point. Uh, she's a, a known commodity all, in politics. All the people who wanted, who, who, who liked Hillary because so yeah. she's a woman and we need a woman, mm-hmm. they believe in Elizabeth Warren in a much deeper way mm-hmm. than than Hillary. She's much more of a pure idea, idealist. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if she picks up uh, speed. Uh, Tim Kane, you have somebody who even on a failed ticket was picked as the VP candidate. His name will be in play. but It'll be in play. I don't it... think he won a lot of people over. No, and and would his name be included on this list if he weren't the VP candidate? No. Uh, no. I think Craig called him squirrely. <laughs> he called him squirrely right away. Uh, Cory Booker, the New Jersey senator, mm. uh, believed to be a rising star the Democrat Party. Uh, he, I mean, th- this is actual truth. He's already saved someone from a burning building, so right. I, I, people are saying maybe he can do the same for the Democratic Party. On the list you've got so far, to me, he's the one that that I think stands out and could could really uh, make a play for it. Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand. New is York. it Gillibrand? Yep. Okay, Gillibrand. Uh, re- replaced Hillary Clinton in her Senate seat yep. in New York. Uh, it, 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 beloved by gay rights activists. Uh, this is someone from that liberal New York uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Al Franken. <laughs> what? Hey, man, outside Do pick. Do not take Minnesota's mistake and go national with it. Outside pick. Left his career, in, you know what? Well, re- left his career in comedy. I think we could use bunny quotes for that. It became U.S. Senator out of Minnesota in '09. He's kind of been a backbench guy, so we'll see. All right, somebody has already registered a draft Al Franken 2020 Super PAC. He he might be that bridge to get where Michael Moore is talking about. It could be. Uh, this one is uh, because of the uh, trend on Twitter, Michelle Obama. I had heard that, and I know politics is full of mea culpas, and mm-hmm. I know we said this, but now I'm going to do the exact opposite. I had heard that, that, that there was no plans for her to get. She actually doubled down on that and said she has no plans whatsoever. Zero is too big of a percentage chance that she runs for office. She was, you was got to remember, she was never that big of a fan of being... She she didn't like In the, the lifestyle, eye. the public yeah. eye at, at the White House because it was she didn't she didn't feel free to do what she wanted to do. You mentioned uh, going outside the traditional uh, political party realm to pick up candidates, uh, two longtime liberal Hollywood icons uh, have found their way onto this list. Now, whether they lobbied for this or whether this is just the hope of someone with liberal leanings, Oprah, uh-huh, and Tom Hanks. Those were the two that I heard Michael Moore mention. Because, A, they are universally loved by a huge majority of the country. And they think that that's the big fight moving forward. And this this is what we had talked about months ago. Do you get somebody who can deliver the lines, deliver the tone, you know, say everything the right way? What you're describing is almost a Manchurian candidate. Well, a Manchurian candidate, though, is is in a way that It's kind of secret, and they're they're put in there to do something. And you're not that. This is totally about. We'll put the agenda together. You just deliver the lines, Mm -hmm. and that's the part. And being a beloved, you know, talk show host, entrepreneur, and actor is completely different than being a beloved politician. Now, all of a sudden, everything in your life, Oprah and Tom Hanks, is up for grabs. And do the people who adored you now look at you differently? Are you willing to take your legacy of being beloved and say, I'm ready for half the country now to not love me? But in an environment in which increasingly voters vote for themselves instead of the best future of their district, of their state, of the country, it seems to me an Oprah presidency would be tailor-made for this. Wake up, America! Look under your beds. (laughs) It's a turkey for everybody today. Oh, my God. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. That seems to be, I mean, that's essentially what she does on TV Mm -hmm. is what liberals have done in office, which is, is, is quote, give you free things. There are no free lunches, but, quote, give away things. And she's just done it on a, well, first of all, she's given away things that I think more people want. And secondly, she does it with much more panache, and and, and some would say on a uh, a much more uh, emotionally affecting level. So maybe she's just ahead of the curve on this. She, she here's what here's what I'm seeing is that they're not just throwing around names to throw around names. They've given this some deep thought. Mm-hmm. Because what are the first names when you talk about Hollywood when you think of when you think about Democrats? You you, you go to uh, Ben Affleck has talked about wanting to have a political future. George Clooney has gotten involved on on different levels. How, but but they aren't as beloved as Tom Hanks, as Oprah. They've given this some serious thought as to who they could go to to carry their banner forward. Because, like we just showed, this bench isn't the kind of depth you want. You know, and, and, and you could make the argument that Republicans didn't have that deep of a bench mm-hmm. following Bush. But their bench got deep and in a hurry. Well, and the other thing that a Trump presidency win does is it disabuses the notion that you have to go out and get experience being elected and holding office before you run for the presidency. You make the argument that that was the same thing with Obama. Now, he, it's uh, a different kind of inexperience than, than right. Trump. He had been elected to office here in Illinois prior right. to that. Right. But had it been, you know, something where he achieved a whole lot? If I remember correctly, there was a whole lot of voting present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with The was, idea of a larger office in mind. Yes. Well, somebody who had looked at uh, an early part of the uh, biography on Obama called him the consummate backbench, you know, representation, just just there, just voting the way he was directed when he didn't vote present, mm-hmm. uh, along those lines. And it really was a surprise uh, to see him running in 07 and then uh, in 08 Uh And winning that presidency. All right, that's where uh, things seem to be heading this morning. Whether or not it's put together tongue-in-cheek, I think some of those are. Some of them just give a hat tip to the current reality. The current reality uh, will be much different than what it looks like in 2020 on the uh, national landscape. Coming up this morning, what's not happening in Springfield and why that's news next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. But no, that wasn't the case. <laughs> Definitely. Jim Hoft. The Gateway Pundits on the way in just about 14 minutes here on the morning meeting. If you didn't make any fresh confetti over the weekend, you may want to use your hands and arms and gather some up into a pile and get ready to throw it again because Jim hasn't been on since election night. That's right. So I think whether he's hoarse from partying, he was the sort of number one proponent advocate for a Donald Trump presidency on this show. And I, I do believe we're going to see uh, victorious Jim. You got to remember, Hoft was way out in front of everybody way, on the Trump train. Way, in fact, he has an original ticket. His, <laughs> his, his ticket to ride has a single digit number on it. All right. That's how you know he got on board early. This was back. Jim was on board uh, early on in the primary scene. Uh, he got on board the, the Trump train. So the, this finish line was a sweet one for the Gateway Pundit. Mm -hmm. Things going on or not going on in the Illinois Capitol today. There was a planned meeting that Governor Rauner asked the four legislative leaders to attend with him. So just that sort of core five in the state. But that seemingly has fallen apart because... House Speaker Michael Madigan, quote, came up with a schedule conflict that would prevent him (laughs) from attending the meeting today. And interestingly enough, that right after Madigan found out he had a schedule conflict, then Senate President John Cullerton said he wouldn't go because, quote, it won't be a productive meeting if we don't have the full compliment there. Okay, so there's a few different things (laughs) going on here. So the two Democrats back out. A, Madigan Knew that this was going to be coming. We started talking about it literally after the election. As soon as the votes got counted, we started talking about this agreement mm-hmm. that had been put together for the uh, the, the, the stopgap budget uh, here in Illinois, the, the, the partial. And part of that agreement was after the election, we'll all get together and work on the big problem, which is the, the full. So you knew it was coming. Madigan knew that this was coming. I, you, so you start to think, okay, well, what is it that he could have on his schedule that would be more that more important than coming together for the state? So whatever it is, you think, okay, well, what has to rise to the level of importance that the meeting of the, the the top five political movers and shakers of the state coming together to actually get something done or, or begin to put the pieces together? For getting something done for the people in Illinois, what has to what what, what level of that is occurring right now that he mm-hmm. can't get together for that? Now, Cullerton, it's a different thing. Cullerton just goes to, oh, Madigan's not going to be there. Okay, well, I'm not going to carry it alone because, A, I don't think I can. B, <laughs> right. if I do something that crosses Madigan, even though uh, I'm in the Senate and he's in the House, I still don't want to be opposite him to divide us, so I'm, I'm busy too. If we're not all together, we can't do it at all. It's been a long time since Speaker Madigan has had his eyelashes counted. I mean, that's, I, I think it's, it's is what a, we're doing. I think it, it's probably something along that level. Uh, well, actually what it is, is it's political partisanship. He doesn't want this meeting. He doesn't want to look like, He's coming together with Governor Rauner. Uh, the other members that uh, were invited to this, it would be Senate Republican Leader Christine Radonio and House Republican Leader Jim Durkin. Those are the two Republicans. The governor's office has said they still may meet today without. They should. Cullerton and Rauner. They should. Without Cullerton and Madigan, excuse me. Yeah, they should. They should meet today. And I and I can already tell you what the, and, and hopefully they don't, but the, the media in Springfield and in Chicago, will start saying, and that is, oh, this is big. For, it's a big show to come together, you know, to make it look like Madigan doesn't care. But at, at the same time, a politically, you have to do this to show that you are willing to to meet together and fulfill your promise on behalf of the the people of Illinois, and, and to show that apparently Speaker Madigan and John Cullerton, because he's following suit. Mm-hmm. Don't care about those promises. Oh, they made a promise to the people of Illinois and and, and you know, Springfield that we're going to do this after the election because really that's what we were concerned about. We don't want to make everybody have to make the hard decisions before the election. Okay, well we'll come together after the election. Okay, the election's over. Let's come together. But you promised. They thought Hillary was going to win. It, they they did. They <laughs> thought they would, but but and here's another thing, the 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 other people, whether they've just been elected or are lame duck or or whatever in the in the Democrat Party in the state of Illinois need to call this out for what it is, and put the pressure on Speaker Magan. You want things to be different. You want to show your constituents that that you're willing to, to do something for the people and make make change for the better, even if it's just being there to argue on behalf of them. You need to put pressure on Speaker Madigan to fulfill that promise. Governor Rauner did an op-ed over the weekend, and there is... A co- I don't want to read the whole thing's about a page. Go find it. It'll take you less than five minutes to read, but I'm not going to read it here. There are a couple of interesting sentences, though, in it, and they are sentences that call for challenging the foundational structure of Illinois in recent decades. Uh, Governor Rauner says we must reform political power and return it to the people, whether it's property tax reform to give homeowners and business owners needed relief and pension reform to get our state's financial footing back on the right track. Raising taxes is not the lone way to do this. We need to rather cut our cost by, and here it is, curbing the cost of bureaucracy in government. Ah. Oh. That is, that's the fight that Madigan doesn't want to have. That's a great melody right there. And this is uh, Rauner saying, look, we, this okay, this week is is the veto session week at, right. at the Capitol in Illinois. So what they were hoping to do was, was use this opportunity to attack a, a full budget. And it looks like now that, that Madigan and Cullerton, uh, they don't want any part in that. We, we speculated on this for a while, but at least under this governor, they don't want to be part of that process so Governor Rauner, in his op-ed, really, he was really very moderate in tone, I thought. You know, we're raising taxes. He's always said that it's something that he would consider once some other structural reforms were put in place. Mm-hmm. So this isn't someone who's, who's just deaf to the idea that we're going to have to contribute a little bit more in order to right the ship and then... On a long-term basis, it'll be up to someone else to sort of restructure that. But he's right. I mean, right now, Illinois needs, this is what we always talk about on the business front, they need a long-term set and sustainable plan so that those people in business can make sort of long-term projections, because we're just living day-to-day at this point. Right, and, and and Governor Rauner understands that you can't yank it all back in the opposite direction in a hurry. You're going to have to do this incrementally, and Democrats need to be able to see that bigger picture. And the verbiage, return power to the people, does that sound like Governor Rauner has has taken a message from the left in the past and has now uh, repurposed it? for A, it's true, On several different levels. And this is why I come back to, hey, elected Democrats of the state, you need to put pressure on your speaker because now even your verbiage from the past is being used against you. That's how far away Mm -hmm. you've gotten from what's right for this state. I will be shocked if that conveyor belt flows both ways in the uh, Democratic caucus. Pressure comes from the top down. In that, it, it, <laughs> not but, from the bottom up traditionally. But there's a, there's an opportunity here. There is. There's an opportunity after post this election. You want remember all the all the backslapping that was going on for the partial uh, budget, and we were like, "This, you guys, really?" And remember, the Democrats lost seats at the state level. Yes. So it, it, this is the moment. There were promises made. Mm-hmm. If you if you're you know hiding somewhere behind or under a desk, and you don't want to mess with Mad- Madigan. Right now is the time. If, if Is there going to be a day where he gets a better foothold and might come? Maybe. But is that why you're there? Are you there to represent the people? It'll be interesting watching this play out as they begin uh, veto session week in the Capitol. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, he's our guest next as we continue this morning on The Morning Meeting.
0: Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are.
1: Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
0: This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
1: Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, okay, Quaid with you this morning. Yes, be careful if you're coming across the bridge from Missouri into Illinois today. Today is fundraising day for the state. <laughs> Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, safe in his compound in the Gateway City, the home for the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Jim, I put on my best parade clothes because I figured it's your turn and we've gathered up all of the pre-used confetti and we're ready to throw it up in the yeah. air again for you. You, uh, you were on the Trump train in this process so early that you have a single digit number ticket that shows when you boarded. It was a long, <laughs> long, interesting, contentious, at times vitriolic campaign but it's one that uh, you seem to have some foresight on. Are you still in victory mode, or uh, are you just taking a pause here after the Trump win on election night?
0: You know what? I think it's still sinking in. Um, it's, uh, it's such a thrill, and uh, I'm so happy for our country. Uh, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do if Hillary would win. Um, she's really just an, She was an awful candidate, first of all and uh her policies and what the left is proposing for America is just so dangerous and um just uh bankrupt on uh, they're just bankrupt the party has no ideas that are going to help America and uh so i was just thrilled uh that Trump pulled it through you know pulled through and uh and won the election and destroyed that blue wall uh that uh separated uh the red states from Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, that was just amazing, wasn't it?
1: Yes, indeed, uh, Jim. It's uh, historical, I believe is the word that uh, people have been using. If I, I told you six months ago, Jim, that Reince Priebus would be chief of staff, would you have
0: believed me? Uh, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. No um, way. I, I um, you know, I. It, it's, it's interesting because um, – you know he did have a difficult job because he was uh trying to uh be very careful not to uh denigrate Trump and at the same time appease all of these never trumpers and the GOP elites and so uh you know he tiptoed through it all and uh i guess uh you know Trump was very impressive what he did so uh and uh a lot of other people were i don't think he made many enemies uh which was uh, you know outstanding for anyone in the position he was in. So, uh, we will see. I, I'm really glad that Steve Bannon was also picked to be on par with, um, Priebus and to, uh, continue to, uh, offer Trump advice because, uh, I, I know, uh, Bannon personally, he's always been very good to me and he's also a brilliant guy. Um, so I, I'm really glad that he's staying on too.
1: Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. The pick of Priebus, I think it does two things. One, it rewards him for essentially being Trump's ground game because the Trump campaign, as we talked about during the run-up, didn't have the ground game in place and a lot of the contacts that the well-established Democratic machine did, and people are pointing to the RNC's work in Florida where Trump won by 120,000 votes, and the RNC helped to get 300,000 new Republicans registered between the election in 2012 and this one in 2016, so that kind of shows you his effectiveness on the ground at that point. And also, let's be honest, Chief of Staff, it's like being part of the Armed Services Special Forces. You sign up to do the hard work and the dirty work and you're never going to get honored for that for the most part until <laughs> until the day you step down. And it's one one historical uh, analogy that i've seen one historical equivalence i guess i should say was to uh, andy cart who came in with bush with 43 and he lasted for five years in the office Because he handled it a little different. Now presidents want different things from their chiefs of staff. Different presidents depend on how they set up their administration. And right now we're hearing that Reince Priebus is probably going to be the gatekeeper, timekeeper, sort of make the trains run on time, to to use an analogy, inside the White House. And then you'll have Steve Bannon doing more of the sort of policy things. But this also, uh, Priebus is somebody who knows how to, to kind of get along and make things happen. And Trump can keep his outsider kind of maverick bona fides amongst the uh, electorate that voted for him by having Steve Bannon there as well so to me this is kind of attempting to have your political cake and eat it too
0: I think that's uh, I think you're absolutely right that sounds that sounds about right and I think with Priebus too uh, he seems to have some relationship with with Paul Ryan and uh Paul Ryan still, he's the wild card in all of this today. It used to be Trump, didn't it? Uh, but now I, I think uh, Paul Ryan's a wild card because even in uh, interviews this weekend, Paul Ryan continues to talk about uh, the plan that he has and the House has for the, for the country. And I'm still scratching my head thinking, uh, Paul, that's a, you, you know, you're, you're not leading this party today. That's Donald Trump and you need to get in line and uh, you need to support Trump's agenda and not his own. So uh, I, I think it's good that Priebus has some relationship with Paul Ryan, who I'm not pleased with at all. Um, I think Paul Ryan was really, uh, I, I don't know how many votes Paul Ryan cost Trump, but um, uh, he, was, he was horrible during this campaign. And I can't believe that they're about to uh, reelect Paul Ryan as the speaker tomorrow. It just blows my mind.
1: Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Talking about uh, Trump's positions on stuff, it seems like the media uh, convinced that uh, they still want to try and divide uh, Trump's voters. Uh, They're making the case that President-elect Trump is already vacillating on some positions about Obamacare and immigration, but if you look deeper into it, it's not necessarily uh, what's happened. Is this going to be their move moving forward to kind of put words in the president's mouth and say that if he's not hard-line uh, all the way to the right on something, that he's somehow softening his position and not representing his positions when he was running?
0: I think the media's plan is to do whatever they can to destroy Donald Trump. Uh, we saw it in the primary. Um, we saw it uh, you know, in the run-up to the election. And uh, I don't see the media changing at all. And I just hope that their numbers continue to fall. Um, I I, it would have been nice you know it would have been nice years ago if the media took an honest look at themselves and saw how far left they are and dishonest they are Um, but they haven't done that they have no intention of doing that so while while their numbers continue to fall uh, my website continues to gain readers every every um, week and uh, I know talk radio is still very popular And people who report the truth are going to have more success as this media buries itself with uh, their agenda to destroy Trump. I don't see that changing at all.
1: Jim Hoff, The Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. You can check him out there. Jim, we mentioned the rift in the media here. It seems like Trump also causing a rift with some foreign Relations that the country has had, uh, the U.S.'s traditional allies uh, will still have our back. But just looking at the uh, rift in the EU, uh, the UK, and now France teaming up with them and sitting out the rest of the uh, EU's quote emergency summit on Trump, this is uh, this is a lot of sort of uh, you know preconceived ill will. Uh, hyperventilating over what a Trump presidency might mean around the world. Uh, I won't I won't be surprised to see some other uh, strong uh, fiscal leaders there in the EU sort of break ranks and will, will a Trump presidency maybe ultimately be what is the last foundational crack in the EU because we've seen even from afar and we're more than an arm's length away, We've seen the problems that they have. Obviously, Brexit got the world's attention uh, with its vote. France has been kind of distancing themselves. Uh, Germany has been rethinking some of their policies. If they've continued to have trouble, they've been for a long time, really the lone economic engine there uh, in the EU. So I think maybe we're seeing a terminal crack here over what uh, what a return to a traditional U.S. power president uh, might mean abroad.
0: I, I think you're right. You know, I, I have a brother who's in Hong Kong, and uh, he always uh, informs me, at least in Asia, you know, they only get half the picture over there. They get, uh, they get Russia Today, they get Al Jazeera, um, and CNN International, very far left. So they really don't have a true understanding of who Donald Trump is. I assume it's the same in Europe. Europe has always had a very far-left media. Um, in fact, they won't even report, like, in places of... Uh, Like France, they won't report if the crime is committed by migrants, Muslim migrants anymore. So, uh, you know, uh, they're completely out of touch. I think what Trump has done, and the same with the Brexit with Nigel Farage, and he said this too, that, you know, the people are standing up. They see that none of these policies have worked. Obama and the left and uh, the GOP elites have destroyed the middle class in this country, Um, They have no regret for doing it, and they would continue to move in that direction. And thank God enough people stood up and said enough and uh, jumped on the Trump train. And uh, so uh, hopefully Donald Trump, God bless him and keep him safe, will be able to uh, make some changes and really help the country out, and especially the middle class.
1: Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Just to follow up and kind of finish on the uh, powers abroad topic, uh, the Chinese president also has reaffirmed the importance of maintaining relations uh, with the U.S. and, in fact, has already spoken with President-elect Trump. So I think you're going to see people uh, respect the office and, and then you just get used to the new office holder, Quaid. Uh, well, certainly, that's the, that's the pragmatic thing to do. Uh, moving forward. I don't think you you find out that Trump gets elected and then uh, hop on a bus and go to a far-off city and then get handed a sign and, and start marching around and maybe break some stuff or, or light something on fire <laughs> or throw things at uh, police officers. You know, Jim, last Thursday morning, we wondered aloud uh, after a night of protests following uh, Trump's uh, election, uh, if this wasn't all too convenient and coordinated. And then you started seeing stories of buses showing up and people getting off the bus to protest. And you have a story that you posted at thegatewaypundit.com just a few minutes before you came on, uh, noticing that the protest signs that are at these events uh, are printed by George Soros and Jan Schakowsky's husband, Bob Kramer. Uh, These were the the same signs that had already been pre-used. You say in your headline at an anti-Trump protests uh, before the election.
0: Uh, yeah, I should probably uh, work on the wording in that headline. What, what has happened is that all these uh, leftist events we've seen all year, uh, several of them anti-Trump, they have the same design on their signs. They're uh, the the same company, obviously, is printing up a lot of these, or so, uh, and they're all they're all prepackaged and ready to go. Uh, before the rally starts, so there's a lot of planning going on, and a lot of money involved. That's paying some companies to uh, to print out these uh, signs. You'll notice it at a Trump rally, it's always astroturf. Uh, there's a lot of people who bring their own signs. There are some that were handed out from the Trump campaign, but on the right, generally, uh, when you go to a protest, you bring your own sign. On the left. Uh, they they're always uh they're always there they're either uh, made for you or they are uh, uh, you know prepackaged and 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 designed from somewhere else so it is interesting that it again it just shows that this movement is not a grassroots movement. it's a movement where uh it's being led by these uh, activists and uh, and everything is uh astroturfed. nothing is grassroots.
1: One of the interesting things that's come from this protest movement after the election is—it's turned off people. Uh, a percentage of people who were pro-Hillary—they're like, "Okay, we lost, but this isn't how you move forward as a country." Is
0: this? Do
1: you see this ultimately backfiring?
0: Uh, I would think so. You know, I think. I think. Uh, you know, and and another thing too—it's amazing, isn't it, that everybody's demanding that Trump apologize for these riots. <laughs> What the hell? Trump has nothing to do with this. Where's Obama and where's Hillary? They're the ones who should be calling off their dogs. These are all leftists, the same, same type of uh, activists we've seen before.
1: Yeah, and one other thing, uh, Jim, uh, it, do, do you find it interesting that there haven't been the protests in St. Louis? I mean, St. Louis, one of the more high-profile protest cities uh, over the last couple of years, but all of a sudden, post-election, that's not where it's happening
0: right there was a there was a protest yesterday downtown in St Louis. I had a friend send me some pictures, and uh it was a couple hundred people marching down the street, shutting down traffic like they always do. I don't know how they say that this is uh peaceful when they continually break the law and uh put a lot of people out of uh you know uh, you know uh, missing their schedules, messing up people who are just trying to follow the law and they are they're stuck in a traffic jam that they You know, protesters create.
1: Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning here on the morning meeting. Jim, the transition team seems to be well underway. We started talking about Ryan Priebus and his role. Uh, Mike Pence has been given a lot of that power. Uh, He's being equated to sort of a Dick Cheney role as a more powerful and active vice president. I think this is probably a good thing for Trump, but will his supporters see it that way if he starts leaning on people with political bona fides rather than just raging in and uh, trying to bring the whole mechanism down?
0: Um, yeah, I think uh, I think these are good moves by Trump so far. I don't I don't have any problem with it. I don't think people are going to be too upset about anything right now. Um, you know, we will see. He still has to name a whole lot of. Uh, uh, positions in the coming weeks he, he really has a big job ahead of him before inauguration so uh uh you know we'll see but i think he's trying to be uh pragmatic and uh sensible and it's, that's how it's coming off and i think uh i think so far so so far so good uh, uh but again we will see
1: jim hoff the gateway pundit with us this morning on the morning meeting jim uncommon foresight was what you displayed uh, during this run up to the election congratulations and thanks for sharing all of that with us here on the morning meeting
0: thanks guys it was a great result
1: you can check him out at thegatewaypundit.com jim hoff we'll wrap it up next on the morning meeting giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states I mean this stuff moves people it's the morning meeting on talk radio nine thirty W wtad WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest Quaid with you this morning. Again, if you're finding us, uh, previously uh, a, a member of the Laura Ingram Show, and mm-hmm. you're, you're hearing us for the first time this morning, welcome. We appreciate it. Uh, several ways you can get in touch with us. You can uh, listen to the podcast at WTAD.com or wherever you get yours. Uh, you can email the show. Mm-hmm. All that information available uh, online. And uh, we do have uh, chances where we take calls. And uh, get to know your thoughts as well. Those all coming up uh, later in the week this week. And I will warn you, right. the show usually isn't as hyper-focused and on-topic as it was today. What do you mean? Usually there's a little bit more fun to be had. Well, what? You're saying today's show wasn't today's fun? Today's show was fun. It was fun to do. But, uh, you know, we like to have uh, have some fun as, as we go about doing this. But still stay on top of the things that that are, are breaking and changing, not only on a local level, But uh, on the state level, we'll be talking with Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog tomorrow, and then uh, nationally, of course, as well. And major news coming up toward the end of the week this week. News that is still news, even though some had hinted at it. And I I don't have the okay to share this yet, and uh, hopefully Mm. I'll have it before we wrap up the week this week on Friday. But uh, some major local news uh, coming up. But now you're just teasing. At the, at the end of the week. No, and and, 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 and I, it, it, it's not that uh, uh, Quade's dumpster is full of gold and you can go over there and dumpster dive. My dumpster diving. is not full of gold because I would be diving my own dumpster. <laughs> 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 and trust me, there have already been people who've gotten in there, even though I went, yeah, maybe not the best idea, but if you're a professional dumpster diver, you know what you're getting into. No, that, that's another thing. But I think I know what you're teasing at. I think I know. I'll have to check with you after the show to see if we're on the same page uh, as far as this goes. But, yeah, that would be, if it's what I'm thinking, yes, that would be big news. And a little bit of space news at the end of the show here. The no! space junk Sean's blasting off that fell on uh, Minamar, I believe that there now it is not a UFO. You mean Myanmar? Uh, did I say Minamar? I, that's another I language hang-up that, hang up that I have, Myanmar. <laughs> It is not space. It is not a UFO. It is space junk. We have tons of space junk. Well, and it looks like you can't identify space junk. Then it's a UFO. They've already identified it as either an engine or a rocket booster. If I'm a regular person walking around Myanmar and I see space junk fall from the sky, first of all, that's a UFO. The the locals are the ones who identified it. They talked to the first local on the scene. He goes, (laughs) "No, there's a diode in the back, and I think it's a jet engine that uh, looks like something that we've used." Do it on the locals, exactly. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Ben Yount and more coming up tomorrow here on The Morning Meeting.
0: Morning Meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the Tri-States. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.